What's up, fine folks? <laughs> right on time, Tanner with the <laughs> popping the cap. Welcome back. This is episode 24 of Double Tapped. I am Jay. I'm Tanner. Oh, look at that. There it is. I'm adjusting audio because that's my job here. Yeah. Tanner, yeah. I have a Mad Tree Lift Crisp Golden Ale in my hand. What'd you call you. me? <laughs> uh, you Mad I Tree. I described this earlier. It is a Kolsch style, K O L S C H, uh-huh. which I described as the summer beer for the fall. Yep, you did. Oh, I, you know what? I kind of get where you're coming from. You now. know, it's a little more intense than your typical yeah. crisp, pilsnery, whatever the hell. I don't know. <laughs> whatever words. Whatever the hell. But I can enjoy a Kolsch. Also, something that sometimes with this podcast, you and I unintentionally kind of match. Today, you've gone for, now granted, more of a highlighter yellow. Sure. But you've gone for a yellow top, black bottoms. Oh, okay. I've gone for black top, yellow bottoms. Yeah, you've got like a mustard I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, I've got my pants are a little bit, yeah, a little bit more mustard than they are. Whereas this is about as loud of a lime (laughs) green as you'll ever see. Yeah, you look like a highlighter. Uh, Shout out to the El Paso Margaritas. Our favorite minor league baseball team that we know nothing about. Exactly. I just know that they rename themselves from the Chihuahuas to the Margaritas like once a year. What a superior name. Oh, indeed. They should just also, always be the margaritas. I should also probably address, I'm wearing glasses. I don't wear glasses. Yeah. These are blue light filtering glasses. We got a cool kid over here so, trying to protect his eyes. I've had a shit. lot of eye strain recently. Mm. This, is, this is genuine. I've gone to sleep and I've been like, I, I need to stop looking at my phone. I need to stop doing stuff. But, you know. That's fair. Good for you. We're the type of people that are surrounded by multiple screens for work and pleasure. Yeah. There are literally three monitors right now. So. so Sometimes it's justified. Yeah, I just I've like I've it. thought about it. If you notice, if I an notice there's any because our know. good friend Skinny actually, I saw him wearing glasses one day, mm. and I was like, "You don't wear glasses." He's like, "They're blue light glasses." I was like, "How do you feel about them?" He's like, "Oh, I, I love them." Mm, I was okay, like, all right, that was it. I'm gonna get some. We're all gonna be bespectacled. Exactly. Uh, Tanner, what have you been playing? Uh, I have been playing more of the same. I've been mm-hmm. playing a little bit more Tony Hawk. I'm probably about halfway through Tony Hawk One. And uh, of the one and two remaster, and I've also been playing a shit ton of NBA 2K. Ah. I've been going after the challenges now, so there's there are tons of different modes in 2K. That's something that they do really well. Um, so I mostly focus on my team, which is sort of the I think most sport sports games have this now. It's like the trading card. You know, you get five cards of players, and they start out pretty yeah. pretty low level, and then as you progress, you get better players, you have better rankings, and it's just a team that you can set up their, their uniforms if you want, their logo, and of course I do all that because uh, I'm a nerd. And then, but you can have like historical players and modern players and all that. So it's a really fun mode. I know that MLB The Show has something similar. Mm -hmm. I think Madden now with Ultimate Team has something similar, and I think FIFA does as well. So I'm pretty sure this is a pretty common sports game thing now, but (laughs) uh, with your My Team, there are a bunch of different modes inside of My Team to play so you don't get stale of just, you know, playing the same teams over and over. Uh, So there's all this online stuff that I barely mess with. I'm going after the challenges, which is where you go through and basically play historical teams. So, like, I played... I love stuff like I that. I played the 98 Bulls. I played the uh, Celtics Dynasty. There's a whole, like, Dynasty section, and I completed that last night. Um, and, of course, once you complete those, you get cards from those dynasties. Really cool. Uh, I love 2K, and I know that a, the sports game crossover isn't huge, but uh, with, like, the, no- the normal community that probably listens to this, but... I love 2K, and I think this is one of the best 2Ks ever. And you're definitely, amongst our friend group, probably the biggest NBA fan. Yeah, I would say so. So this hits your sports-watching niche as well. Uh, Tanner, I don't know if I've played a video game this week, if I'm being honest. Totally fair. I've had Uh, weeks like that. Honestly, I am... It's it's at that point where it's like, okay, I had a good week off last week. 
beat Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, that was my good run. And now I'm just kind of like, when I get home from work every day, I'm like, I'm not feeling... None of these games that I have on my dashboard are games that I feel comfortable jumping into briefly and sure. then getting back out. Yeah. The one that's coming out soon is Call of Duty, baby. And mm. I'm, I'm that. I'm ready. Yeah, you've been hyping this up for I'm a while. Just, it's been... Too, it's been too long, and not when I say that I'm not saying that I regret not getting Black Ops Cold War. I don't regret it at all. Sure, it's got me that much more excited. Yeah, it's, to it's get been back a nice pause. It. Uh, it's kind of like when they started dipping out of making Assassin's Creed games every year, mm. rebuilt the hype, and that seemed to be effective. Yep, this was effective for me on a personal level. I'm ready to get back into the Call of Duty cycle. Now you talk about games that you can hop into. Uh, I was going to ask. Is Super Monkey Ball not that? Because I know you bought it. I played a smidge of it. Okay. Uh, I'll play some more of it. Sure. Uh, and that's true, but I guess that's one of those that I was just like... Well, I was just wondering what your experience yeah. was. If, like, if it's not calling to you, I guess that's you, true. Then... I did buy and begin to play uh, Super Monkey Ball. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that was this week or... I guess that was probably last week when I, yeah, I don't remember played when like, it, the first... Whenever like, it came out. I played like the first world of the first game. Uh, yeah. It's Super Monkey Ball, man. Great. No, no complaints from me. Yeah, but again, it's not something to like report back yeah, on. Yeah, no. It's if you like it, you'll like it. It's the exact same game. It's the. I had the thought cross my mind. This is one of those games where I'm like, oh, I'm playing this. It feels like Super Monkey Ball, and I'm like, this is probably what I thought this game looked like mm. almost 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah. When in fact, this is not at all what it looked like in this <laughs> right. beautifully crisp, like right. well animated setup. Uh, it was on this grainy little TV on a GameCube when I was playing it. <laughs> there's an interesting, uh, r- really bizarre side note, but there's a really interesting Twitter account, and I be- let me find exactly what it's called. Um, they basically take so pixel sprites from like the you know SNES era, yeah, uh, and they show what they look like like on an emulator. I saw one of these versus what they look like on a CRT TV, yeah. And you start to realize that, hey, my memories of games looking better might actually be true because of the display technology. Yeah. Um, because of emulators, because we have such precise pixels now, we see every pixel individually. On CRTVs, there was a lot more like blurring that was yep. assumed and accounted for in uh, game design. So I thought that was really interesting because I saw that one sprite and I was like, wow, you could... You could have looked at this and thought, oh, if the blur was gone, this would have been so crisp and good looking when in reality it's right, very pixel. The other way around. Yeah. They're accounting for the blur. Uh, it's at CRT Pixels. Really cool Twitter account if you're into like the way games look. Uh, but yeah, I, I see a bunch of their stuff in my feed all the time. And it's a very interesting thing to go, hey, maybe we aren't as dumb as we think. And maybe this game did look a little bit better yeah. than we remember. But but also, nostalgia is a hell of a drug, as they sure. say. Sure. But I think that's a part of the reason that, like, specifically N64 era games mm. look so aggressively sharp now. Because yeah. there is no softening with the CRTV. Yeah. Tanner, I'm going to get into the news. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to be clicking on a few links okay. to get into some more details. All right. The first news story, apparently... WB is making a Smash-style fighting game What called Multiverses. Okay. With an insane roster. And Good I'm going to click on this Kotaku article by a fellow named Ethan Gach. Or I assume it's Gach. It's G-A-C-H. Oh, God. That could be... Gatch? It could be Gatch. It could be... Uh, Gak? Yeah, Gak would be the other one, I guess. Because, you know, there's that, there's that punter... For the Ravens, Sam Cook, uh-huh. but Cook is spelled K O C H. Oh yeah, and it's like, how the hell did you get Cook out of that? So, shout out to uh, to the Gokster. What's his so, first name? Ethan. All right, shout out to Ethan. Let me close this app from Samsung. <laughs> so at this moment, this is from a 
tweet from a fella named Hungry Box okay. on Twitter. Oh yeah, I've heard of Hungry at Box. Liquid H Box. Yeah, he's a leaker. And I his, think this tweet from him. Y'all thought I was lying, huh? Warner Brothers multiverses. Character select screen. There seem to be levels and fighter type icons, and these are the ones that he lists. Okay. Steven Universe. Interesting start. Adventure Time. So I guess some character from Adventure Time. Yeah. Batman and Harley Quinn. All right. Superman and Wonder Woman. Gandalf. <laughs> Wait, what? Rick and Morty. Okay. Tom and Jerry. Wow, so they're really Bugs going for Bunny. it. Bugs Bunny. All Warner Brothers properties. Yeah, this is like the Space Jam of fighting games. Basically. The and newer that, Space Jam. On that tweet, that was all that was listed. But nonetheless... Already a bizarre and pretty insane start to yeah, the fighting games your, your lineup. Your mind starts to wander of to what else they could go to, right? Like, I mean, Warner owns HBO, so we could have, like, Tony Soprano. <laughs> I mean, it, it's ridiculous, but you could have, more realistically, maybe, like, a Game of Thrones character. Um, gosh, yeah, your mind just starts to race with all the Warner properties, because they own yeah. a shit ton of media. Uh, could be interesting. I mean, I wonder if it's, like, a... PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale situation. Well, you have to assume because that's probably the most direct Smash clone that has ever been made. Sure. I mean, one of them. I know there's that Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon game that just now. came out that people yeah. like it. Uh, but yeah, this will be... I'm glad that it's Smash style. because I, I don't think I'd want it to be another like Injustice Mortal Kombat type thing. As much as I love Mortal Kombat and I really like Netherrealm, uh, I don't think this sort of amalgam of everything no. silliness fits with that style of fighting game. I was going to say, Smash frees you up to really have a lot of diverse properties and it not feel so weird. Yeah. When you have Batman just staring down Gandalf one on one in a side scrolling fight, things start to get you're like, why is this happening? Right. Yeah. You, uh, you, it's harder to uh, disconnect yourself. And that time. being said, you presume that it's it's Arkham Batman, you know, because sure. it's a WB. Yeah. Uh, so you can then even barrel narrow down even deeper, sort of what version of some of these characters. Yeah. That would I wonder be. what the overall art style is going to oh, be okay. because There's I mean, no telling. I mean, Smash, I guess you could say, doesn't really have an art style because you know, Snake looks very different than Yoshi. Um, but, but even then, they sort of smashify a lot of their sure, characters. Sure, everything gets a little softer, shading yeah. gets a little less harsh. So I wonder if it would be really cool if it was like. Batman the animated series Batman yeah. or if there's a skin for that like I mean this does this excites me personally cool. I will see what the game looks like obviously yeah. but I I like this type of thing I think I am and you to a certain extent as well but I I think I lean probably more super positive about PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale you do. Uh I really like that game and even though you know I don't think it was the greatest game in the world I think there were some positives to having some other version of that not just being Smash because obviously, if you watch the Smash stuff, uh, is his name Sakurai? Yeah. The main guy? He is exhausted. <laughs> so if we could just, as a culture, give Smash a break for a little bit yeah. so that guy can rest, it'll be a good It'll be a good thing. I agree. The next story. An equally off-the-wall game that is apparently in development. Okay. And I also led this one off with the word apparently, because that's just my word of like, this might be happening. Yeah, allegedly. It sounds weird. Yeah. A Wu-Tang Clan-focused third-person action RPG is in development from Brass Lion Studios, made up of former Mass Effect and Skyrim devs. (laughs) What? Don't shoot the messenger. How in the... Now, the extent to which it is actually Wu-Tang Clan-focused, obviously yet to be determined. This is very early on. But... The initial reading I got from the few tweets I was seeing about this story is that 
they're going to be the characters. It's not like they're just going to do the music. Right. You're going to be playing as it's like Ghostface Killer or in, whoever. Enter the 36 Chambers the game. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is bizarre. I mean, like, respect to Wu-Tang. Shout out to Wu-Tang for sure. And, now, is- and also, I should note, Brass Lion Studios, which I said is former Mass Effect and Skyrim devs, the purpose, this is a new studio, yeah. is like to develop games featuring people of color. Like, that's their oh, cool. whole shtick. Awesome. Um, and, you know... Now, how they got Wu-Tang Clan on board, I don't know. Yeah, but, maybe you know. there's a financing thing. You know, I know that I, I don't know exactly because there are so many members of Wu-Tang. Um, but I know that a few of the, the Wu-Tang guys are very into games. They've yeah. done like Wu-Tang controllers before, like have been officially licensed. Like I knew that that was a thing. But, you know, outside of like I'm not the most uh, the most educated when it comes to Wu-Tang <laughs> writ large, like. The 36 Chambers is, like, one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever. Um, so, obviously, I know that. And I know that their their love of, like, uh, samurai films and, mm. and stuff like that. So, I wonder if that'll play. Like, if it's going to be sword play, maybe, or sword and guns. I am so curious about this now. It's going to be interesting. And it'll be hilarious, whatever conference this is at, <laughs> where we're like, holy shit, it's the Wu-Tang game. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just going to be... I mean, in my head... So, I know that uh, RZA has done film stuff before i think he's worked with like maybe uh i think he was with Tar- he's worked with tarantino before maybe like robert rodriguez people from that school of filmmaking yeah. um i know he's done soundtracks for for some movies before and i know that i think he's acted and stuff too um so i'm curious if his creative vision is going to be brought into this because he's the only one that i know that's uh, and that's maybe just my knowledge, but the only one that's like really crossed over into other forms of media. Sure. So I wonder if if that the stuff he's done before, I think he might have even directed before, if that stuff is going to be a good jumping off point, creative vision wise, or if this is just something that they've all dreamed up. Or I'm sure I think there have been like Wu Tang comics and stuff. I don't know. That's, this this is sort of a universe of its yeah, own. I that's guess that's the thing. I'm actually not well versed in like the entire scope of the Wu Tang Clan at all. Sure. Uh. I understand they are a rap group. I understand that there's a lot of them, and I understand that I see a T-shirt of someone, sure, like all the time. Yeah, they've proliferated for yeah. sure in a weird way that I don't think everyone who wears a Wu Tang Clan T-shirt even knows what the hell Wu Tang Clan even is. Right, or like I say, like like me, they they know the one album front to back, but yeah. not the the whole project. And, and then yeah. I could name like Ghostface, Method Man, yeah, Red Man, yeah, Rizza, like, Rizza. Then I'm probably done. Yeah, like I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just like. This is one of those headlines I'm like, this is too good to pass up. <laughs> I right. have to talk about it. Yeah, but. no, that's wild. Uh, interesting. That's super duper interesting. Very much. But yeah, as far as getting more people of color to collaborate creatively, all for it. Yeah. That's dope. Do that. And I'm tentatively really excited for whatever this ends up being because it sounds like it's going to be, I mean, I guess in my brain, it's going to be creatively very different from what we've seen before. Mm-hmm. We've never seen... I mean, other than 50 Cent Blood in the Sand or whatever. exactly, the 50 Cent game. Which that's, I mean, as, I mean, it's not like, that's that's like the only comparison I could even think to draw. The Def Jam games, there's Def Jam 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 fighting games. Uh, But then they're saying this is like third person action RPG. Yeah, that's where it gets bizarre. I mean, like, even the 50 Cent games were based off the movie, I think. Yeah. Um, So, cool, I'm in. (laughs) Next story. State of play continues to be pointless and bad. <laughs> I I'm gonna be honest. Didn't even watch it. I watched it. So I was I got home from work. Uh huh. Forgot it was happening until like 20 minutes beforehand. Right. Because it happened like five Eastern. I was cooking dinner. Yeah. I was beginning to, and it's like you know I'm just gonna throw it on. Sure. So it's it's one of those things of like Background it's not like noise. I'm giving this all my attention anyways. Right. 
And then I still gave it too much attention. <laughs> I'm going to go through the things that were announced. Okay, I saw one trailer from it. Death verse, let it die. This is you know, here's the funny thing. Yeah, I saw this trailer. Uh huh. And I was like, "Is this uh oh crap? I forgot the name of the game that we made fun of the name of so much, like Shadow Arena oh, Legends. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hunters Arena Legends. Yeah, that's it. I think so. Le- I honestly you're, you're, don't know you're, anymore. You're doing Rage Shadow Legends, which that's is that true. mobile game that gets advertised a lot. Yeah, I think it's Hunters, Hunters Arena Legends. Uh, I think. Yeah, Legend. Hunt, yeah, I think it's Hunters Legends Arena or Arena Legends. One of those. Yeah, that's what I thought this was. <laughs> We've memed that game to death and don't actually. Know the title uh, but it, this seems to be a more, uh, I don't know, stylized. A lot of off the wall characters. It says a multiplayer survival action game built around a reality TV show. And which you'll fight it out for fame, glory, and fortune. So, do you remember Let It Die? No. This is a sequel or a follow-up game, like a spin-off. I'm pretty sure because someone mentioned in chat. I didn't watch the trailer, but uh, Let It Die. I remember Let It Die because I feel it got, like I remember the name, but nothing about the game. You might remember it. It was the Grim Reaper skateboarding game. Okay. This was this was shown at like some E3. I forget, but. I guess this is a follow-up to that and just, you know, building in that universe or whatever. Because I think the concept of that was there was some sort of reality show thing going yeah. on. I did not expect that game to have another, like, universe <laughs> no, chapter. No, um, I don't know anything about the game. but No, I, me neither. And I'm like, that's what... It, the gameplay looked very similar to that sort of almost... Uh, not quite as tactical or precise as, like, For Honor, but, like, one-on-one mm, 3D action gameplay. Sure. Yeah, multiplayer. Looked cool enough, so... That was honestly probably the most interesting gameplay-wise thing that they showed. Oh, wow. Okay. We Are OFK was the next thing. All right. Indie pop band OFK teams up with the co-designer of Hyper Light Drifter for a new five-episode music biopic series. Is it a video game? (coughs) I think. Okay. Honestly, it was kind of ambiguous as to what this was. Kind of like the Radiohead thing? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about, too. All right. <clears throat> Which... I don't know who OFK I'm is. I'm not familiar at all with OFK. Know about Hyper Light Drifter. Never played it. Sure. Good game. I like Hyper Light Drifter. Good to know. Never finished it, though. Next up, Bug Snacks. The Isle... I did see this. The Isle of Big Snacks. <laughs> uh, hungry for more Bug Snacks? A new free nope. update is coming early 2022, <laughs> introducing a new island, living space, and the ability to dress up your favorite bug snacks. Hey, look at that. No, I I, I joke, but I'm, I'm good. I had my bug snacks experience. I platinum that game. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, was, I didn't know that. It was a fun platinum. Uh, that game was good. I like bug snacks. I mean, granted, with how few games have been on PS5, it's like a top 10 PS5 game ever uh, so far. I liked it. I don't need to go back into that world, but excited for the people who because that that did catch a little bit of a wave of yeah, like it was people I mean, got that trailer was it. so like catchy. Shout out to Kara Carol Benito. Shout out to wait is that the no that's, that's not the chocolate people. No, that's that's baby metal. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Gimme Chocolate. Same country as far as I know. Both Korean. I think. I think, think Kara Carabinito's American. Oh, okay. I think. I'm we'll uneducated we'll about this sort of thing. Uh, no, Cara Carabinito is the one that I sent you the album of that had all the synth and also the, right. did the Flamingo. I knew I had heard did the Flamingo song. That song is batshit insane. Jay had never heard... Sorry, Cara Carabinito is British. Oh! Uh, I did not know that. But uh, Jay had never heard Flamingo by Cara Carabinito, which was a bit of a meme a couple years ago, I think, and it just had never heard it. I sent him... I really like their newest record, um, and I know how much he loves like 80s synth stuff. So I sent him a couple of their songs, and I guess you were just listening on Spotify. Yeah, and heard I just it. sort of was like popping around, seeing what was what. Sure. 
I think that might have been among their like on Spotify that I think it was one of their top five. Makes sense. So yeah. I just clicked on a couple of those and yeah. I was like, I was like, what the do, hell do, 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 run into here? Okay, I had to do it once. On that note, <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. Right. We got a trailer for this. It says, okay. find out how to evade prowling animatronics in the most ambitious Five Nights at Freddy's yet out this December. Oh, we got a date. Okay. Um, Here's what I'll say. Okay. Not that I give literally two shits about this game. All right. I have played Five Nights at Freddy's once. I'm pretty sure it was with you. Yeah, that makes sense. A long time ago. Yeah. I feel like this game is pointless because I feel like it's not it's now they've just done a generic ripoff of every other like mm. 3D walking simulator horror game yeah. losing the charm of the gameplay of the original series right they've gotten rid of their differentiation yeah. that makes sense I wonder I guess my only counter to that is that the Five Nights fandom is fucking huge That's the thing. they're definitely capitalizing on the name right and I'm I guess borderline more intrigued by this than if they had just done another Five Nights because there yeah. have been six of those games. I think uh, there were like three released in one year. Was like, the gameplay of all those fundamentally the same? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, it started expanding a little bit more as the game would go. So, like, obviously, the first one you and I have played. I've only played the first two. I want to say, uh, and they're they're fun to like have friends play and watch YouTube clips of. But I don't think they're fundamentally fun games. Sure. They're just funny. Like you know, they're fun if you want to get spooked. Um, which we'll have to do at some point. Yeah, it would be fun. Because, uh, you, I mean, I you don't play a lot of horror games. No, you and I are both skittish, I but think, I'm when all, it comes I'm to... I'm even maybe further away from... And I, but it's like, I I don't play them by myself, but in that setting, I do enjoy... I like. Yeah, they're much more fun with yeah, people. We'll definitely... We'll, we'll put a double-tapped horror Let's Play on the back burner. Okay, sure, yeah, we can do that. Uh, I love that we're coming up with this idea like yeah. two days before what, Halloween. I know. Uh, but I was we'll, thinking about that as I said. We'll it. do it at some point. Horror is always fun. Um, but like, so my experience with horror is around the same as yours, really. I think the only difference is that uh, I really like the Layers of Fear series. Okay. Um, those games are about my perfect level of horror mm. where the the atmosphere is scary. Uh, there are a few jump scares that you make you immediately laugh at yourself. But the game isn't frustrating in any way. Sure. I think too often with horror games, specifically my experience with Visage, um, which is one of those games that was making the rounds a couple of years ago, uh, that game turned me off to a lot of horror games because it's one of those where you have to like manage your sanity. So you're taking pills uh, all the time. And <clears throat> the way that game is structured, you can kind of get stuck where you don't have enough pills to manage your sanity, so you go crazy, so you die. But you're not your auto save isn't at a point where you can get to pills before you die, so it's sure. just like an endless loop, and you have to like restart. Um, so that really turned me off to most horror stuff. So my hope is with this that it is a little bit more layers of fury. I mean, layers of fear is kind of like a roller coaster. It's very guided. It's on rails, yeah. right? Like you're going from point to point. Yes, you make the decision to walk into this room or not, but ultimately it is a guided experience, and it's telling you a story while being scary. It's yeah. probably the most analogous to a horror movie, which I really like horror movies a lot. It's not horror as a genre. It's just horror in games is different for me. Uh, and I like that about it. It's not frustrating in any way. So I'm hoping that that's what this game is. Yeah. Uh, I will say, PT, still the scariest thing I've ever played I refuse in my life. to play it. Um, now, I would play it if it was for 
content yeah, if, or something. Right. Or if we could get our hands on it. I, I used to have it on like, an old Jesus PS4. Lord, but. I've watched videos from that game and like, oh my God. Why does anyone put this? Why do you subject yourself to this sort of stuff? Right, exactly for what you just said for content. Uh, no, people, no. Well, yes. Yeah. But there are people out there who are just sure. like, oh, hell yeah, PT. And oh, I'm like, I want a whole game of this, yeah. You're not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, getting us to play a horror game would be pretty funny. Yeah. If you, we've played Outlast together, yeah? I feel like, didn't me, you, and Skinny like pass a controller In around one basement, time? In your basement, I want to say. In his basement. I think oh, we like, was it? bounced around like locations yeah, yeah, we, and beat it over the course of like two weekends. Yeah, something. that's how I played Outlast. Yeah, was, and that was it was fun. It was fun, but it was also like, yeah, this is scary. Well, because once one of us hit our limits, we would just pass the controller yep. over. It's great. <laughs> that was a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, maybe you'll get us playing horror games at some point. Next up, Death's Door. Journey mm. through a dark and offbeat world as a bird with a sword in this captivating adventure. Read the PS blog post to find out how its creator is using the DualSense controller's features to further immerse you in its world. I didn't know this happened. This is actually exciting. Okay. Uh, Death Store has had little bits of Game of the Year buzz. Oh, really? Uh, on PC. Yeah, people really like that game. It's I If if memory serves, it's like a top-down, almost like uh, I've heard people compare it to like uh, Link to the Past type stuff, but a little bit spookier, more macabre. Uh, I didn't know it was coming to PlayStation. That's awesome. Yeah, it definitely has the art style of... Yeah, definitely a spookier, like darker... Monument, Monument Valley a little bit, too, if you remember that game. That and it even game. throws me like a little bit of a Don't Starve-ish kind of vibes, mm. artistically. Yeah. But, cool. That's exciting. I didn't know that was, was happening. Then there's Cart Rider Drift. <laughs> the Unreal Engine 4-powered arcade racer brings its competitive and combative modes to PS4, and you haven't long to wait for it. A beta launches this September. You know what? That's Those are words that I like hearing put together. <laughs> Unreal Engine 4 arcade racing game that's fun i like arcade racing i mean games. it looks very generic but mechanically i remember watching this show i was like it looks like a solid kart racer yeah i know? like that playstation doesn't really have that that would be a great ps plus game one yes. of these months just Good to call. have a little something to dip into get a couple of friends get it for free yeah have a game similar night. to how i had a little mini obsession with wreck fest this year yeah because it was a playstation plus game yeah. and i i think i I need to go back. I think I almost completed that single player, like, mm. completely. Like, it's a long single player. King of Fighters 15. <laughs> These games always come out. SNK's fighting franchise debuts its newest fighter and announces an open beta test coming next month. Okay. First Class Trouble. So this I did watch the trailer for. The Social Deception game launches into PlayStation Plus next month. Find out how you can survive rogue AIs aboard a luxury space cruiser or, as an AI, how to pass as human. I saw this, yep. and I was just like, okay, this is 3D Among Us. Yes, that's what everyone's been calling it, yeah. Uh, it reminds me, I'm going to do a deep cut here. Go for it. Uh, for people who have been around the, the PC gaming space for a while. Uh, there was a game called The Ship, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. or The Ship or The Boat, I think it was The Ship, uh, which was before Among Us, but felt very similar to this game it was like everyone was on a cruise ship it was like art deco that era type you know touristy art looking thing um and basically one person was like the assassin and everybody else wasn't you had to lie you know very structured similar (laughs) to among us um but it i think it was kind of pulled from uh like the trouble in terrorist town stuff from yeah 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 from uh gmod which is basically where this game mode as far as i know was kind of born um obviously there have been like deception game modes and games forever but like it kind of was born from that and this reminds me so much of the ship as opposed to being on water it's in like space or whatever but it looks very stylistically similar even down to like the character models and stuff 
I will say it looks a little janky. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like it has. It it looks like maybe they were really rushing to get an Among Us type game out. Uh, because there's one moment in the trailer where it's showing like you can customize your skins, whatever, and the characters like top changes. And it does the thing where if you're first loading into a character changer and it's blurry for like half a second, and they just left that in the trailer. Yeah. It was just like, here's this person's blurry shirt. And I was like, wait, what? And I went back and, and rewound it, and that's what was happening. I will say, too, this trailer did the thing oh. that I think you and I have have uh, talked down on before. I say, when you say it did the thing, I'm like, this can't be good. It was the developer diary type yeah. trailer where it's like, hi, I'm so-and-so from the devs. Hi, I'm so-and-so from the devs. Okay. A little bit of a diatribe here. Go for it. And I uh, pretty much agree. So, I am so appreciative of game devs. I happen to know 100%. some. 100%. Uh, I worked, tech- I mean, I'm not a dev, but I worked on Chef Squad, a game that just came out. Go play Chef Squad. Uh, it's free on Steam if you want to play it. If you're a Twitch streamer, check it out. It's really cool. Um, I've worked with devs in the past. I worked with the devs of Friday the 13th, the game, on their marketing stuff. Like, I am super appreciative. Every game dev I've ever met has been nice to me and very fun and love talking about games as much as I did. Uh, that being said, let the game speak for itself. Uh, it, it, I don't think it ever works. You have to be incredibly charismatic to pull something like this off. Unless you are like Joseph Ferris. That's, I was going to bring him up. Or like Tim Schafer or someone who is has A, a little bit of cachet name-wise, and B, someone who is so charismatic on their own this type of like two developers having a chat about their game never connects. It feels forced. It feels weirdly scripted. Like, yeah, most game trailers are scripted, but when you try to frame it as a conversation and still script it, it feels there's like this big disconnect. Um, Let the marketing team do their thing. And the devs, again, unless there is like a figurehead of your student, like a Sid Meier or somebody like that, like just, just let the game speak for itself. And that's what I was going to say is like the only other people that I would like give credence to is like someone that has, earned our our trust so implicitly with the quality of their sure. games like Corey Barlog or Amy Hennig which oh. we'll get to later oh. a little bit of it that's what yeah. they call a tease but those kind of people right. that like, Corey Barlog's a good example Neil Druckmann yeah the people that if they up and left the studio they were at it doesn't matter what they're making next I'm already excited for it based on their prior work sure I want to hear what you have to say yes these people I'm saying make a good game that builds the trust, mm-hmm. and then I want to hear what you have to say. Right. I don't want you to market the game that I've never heard of, right? Because then it's like, it's not a turn. It's a little bit of a turn off, just a little bit. It is. It feels like, it feels like your friend, or not even your friend. It feels like a stranger in a mall trying to sell you something. A little bit, as opposed You're to right. just a That's trailer a showcasing the game. Because in theory, people are go ahead. People are going to want to play your game. Uh, you you should make a game that people want to play, and if that's the case, the game will sell itself. Yeah. Like present the game in its best possible light. Don't we understand? I mean, I understand. I guess if there's like some really complex thing, but you should be able to show that and not just show. Don't tell. That's the classic storytelling thing. You know, they say every that's something every like movie student learns day one. Show yeah. don't tell. Show don't tell. Just don't tell us the thing about your game. Show us. Star Ocean, the Divine Force. Okay, the Star Ocean thing. I know the series. I don't. It's it's, <laughs> it's like a big nerd series. I was going to say, Square Enix marks the 25th anniversary of the sci-fi fantasy oh, okay. RPG series with the announcement of a new title coming to PS5 and PS4 next year. Yeah. Great for those of you who are into that sort of thing. And then the last one, Little Devil Inside. 
We got an extended look at this Victorian-like era action-adventure showcasing gameplay and its intriguing miniature-like world map. It looks interesting. Uh, I This is the game that got debuted at some other event, uh, and people liked the look of it, but there was also some... There was a problematic depiction of mm. uh, a certain, like, historical thing. I don't remember exact the exact uh, specifics of it, but they very quickly apologized and changed the character design. Like, it was just kind of a weird thing that happened. Yeah. So that automatically kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth. You're like, wait, is this that game? Like, uh... But the world is interesting. Again, you and I talk about, like, state of play is at such an interesting point. I keep saying the word interesting. Such an odd point because... They pre-announced that this state of play would focus on Little Devil inside. They did. Which, A, kills the entire buzz of the whole thing. Yeah, it's like, well, and I mean, not to shit too hard on Little Devil inside, but it's sure. like, you're really doing a state of play where, like, your marquee aim is Little Devil inside? Right, like, you understand it for Horizon, even yeah. though they told us this is only going to be Horizon. We're like, all right, whatever. A, I don't think you should call those state of plays. B, it has to be a game with a large enough, and maybe, okay, I keep cutting myself off, Uh but I understand the thought process from their marketing team or whatever saying, we're going to raise the platform of this game by saying it's big enough to carry a state of play. I have a theory too, which I'll circle back to. Okay. We're going to make, we're going to make this feel like a bigger deal because we're going to make it, you know what I mean? It's like a, uh, it's like a false equation kind of thing where if they say this game is big enough to end a state of play, people will start believing that this game is big enough to end a state of play. So I understand what they're going for there. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like they know exactly what they want State of Play to be. Yeah. State of Play is more frequent, I think, than like Nintendo Direct is. It, oh, it absolutely is. Um, and also lacks the uh, sizable announcements. I would not be, I would not be upset if 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 Sony want to, wants to keep doing this, if they followed Nintendo's model a little bit more and said, okay, this is our indie promotion. A like, mini direct right, versus cause, a... Because Nintendo has like the indie world directs yeah. that are more frequent and smaller and have lower stakes sure. than, you know, oh, we're going to get a Metroid announcement or whatever. Nintendo's smart enough to manage people's expectations. And of course, directs can still be disappointing, but at least they go... If you go into a state of play knowing, look, it's just going to be, you know, it's going to be smaller scale games. You're not going to get a AAA announcement. Then that's what you can set your expectations for. And then sure. you're probably going to find something you like because any games are great. It's just a weird disconnect of where they want to be with the state of play at all. Yeah. I have a little bit of a theory. Yeah. And that's that because I think the quality or at least the level of relevantness mm-hmm. of state of play has progressively gone down over time. Mm-hmm. I feel like the first couple state of plays were like, okay, they're coming at this like sort of a mini E3. Like, you know, they're announcing big games or sure. they're showcasing games even that we've already heard of. Right. But that are AAA or that are at least getting a lot of public eye you know what I mean yeah and that's gotten progressively lesser over time I'm starting to think especially near the beginning of a console generation Mm -hmm. that they're doing some backroom marketing deals with some of these publishers and they're saying we'll give you a marquee slot in a state of play absolutely that's that's got to be part of it and they've sort of I think they might have already sort of not abandoned the state of play but sort of accepted that state of play is not what it used to be. Sure. In their eyes, but they have not told us that. Right. So they're sort of filling it with these games that to us are smaller, more unheard of games mm-hmm. without telling us that. And right. now we're just left to the assumption that me and you at least, you know, we're already on the, you know, pretty much, you know, 
abandoned ship when it comes to state of play train. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just, I'm tired of it. I don't want to get at all excited for <laughs> the announcement of one of these state of plays anymore. Right. And I can't help but do it mm. because I know that there's still some level of legacy in the name state of play. Sure. And, it, and you would hate for this state of play to be the to one, be where, the they, one. They, where they come back. Exactly. And they're like, all right, we're hammering it home again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think all this boils down to communication. Uh, if they just came out and said, look, moving forward, state of play is going to be more of a focus on our smaller partners uh, or on, you know, games. It's going to be more of a spotlight on games you maybe haven't heard of as opposed to updates on games yeah. that you are waiting for. Versus PlayStation Showcase. Right, exactly. Which has become the new marquee like, event. As long as they come out and communicate that and say, look, state of play is for you to find your next favorite game. PlayStation Showcase is where we tell you about your next favorite game's biggest announcements. Or even, if it's going to be one like this, pre-announce everything instead mm. of just pre-announcing one thing. Like, here's our slate. Look forward to... Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you want updates on this, 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 and this, watch this. Like, sure. And I get that they don't do that because that automatically watch kills it. the mystique about around yeah. what it is. But I almost wonder if that, you know is better than the cost benefit of me getting somewhat excited and then watching this and not seeing anything that I'm interested in and then having a bad taste in my mouth right. about all of these games. Right, because all that does is is exactly it makes you not want to like this game anymore or not not want to like it, but it dwindles your expectations for yeah. that game or want for that game. It's like this is not what I came here for. Right. Uh it makes you trust the brand a little less, which is so so vital every marketing meeting I'm in now is how do we get people to trust our brand? Um it just it just dwindles down like the expectation from your customer base of quality, and that's something you want to build up, especially when it comes to your IP. That way, when someone doesn't know anything about a game and they see PlayStation Studios on the cover, they buy it. Yeah, that's the ultimate goal, right? Um, or even you know if they see it in the on the front page of the PlayStation Store. So the fact that these state of plays are just lowering in quality and hype. I feel like they should maybe even go back to the older model, which they tried out for a little while, which is basically doing an announcement day on like the PlayStation blog yeah. and just tweeting out, here's the trailer for this. Here's the trailer for this. Here's the, we've got, you know, we got a brand new bunch of announcements. You can go look at our Twitter. It's funny. I'm almost more excited these days when someone's like, there's a PlayStation blog post about blank. Sure. And there is about like a new state of play. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and I think if it's not saying our opinion of state of play is not indicative of the games at all. No. Like it is more the format and the way they bill it versus what it ends up being. Exactly. Um, you know, I think, you know, I've, I've worked with devs in the past and I think that, you know, we are very aware that chef squad is not splinter cell blacklist. Right. Or like, you know, it's not, it's not the scale of a triple a game that has a lot more cachet. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, this was a long talk about basically games marketing, but we can't help it when something it comes we to both state care about. Yeah. So, Make them better or change what they're doing, basically. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, that was the last thing. Shit or get off the plot. We got so deep into that that I forgot if there's anything else. (laughs) We're on to the next story. Okay. Which are two more. All right. And we can sort of just hit these relatively quickly. Yeah. A data mining leak seems to confirm at least 38 games soon to come to the Switch Online Nintendo 64 platform. Okay. Uh, And this is another... Another one by Ethan Gack slash Gawk slash whatever. He's on it. From Kotaku. Shout out to Ethan. Let me scroll through here. So, this data mining leak has a lot of hidden entries. Mm -hmm. But it says, because the list is in alphabetical order, 
Oh. And we already know seven of the other N64 games coming sometime in the future. It's possible to infer what some of the placeholders might likely be for. Sure. I love deductive reasoning yeah, that's like so this. Cool. So let's see. Initial data mining from the N64 app is somewhat fruitful. This mm-hmm. is a tweet from Mondo Mega, at Mondo underscore Mega. Okay. Going by the game IDs, there are at least 38 N64 titles planned for Nintendo Switch Online. The list is alphabetical, so you can fill in some of the gaps already. Mm-hmm. This person says 37 is Majora's Mask. Okay. Because it's in between Legend of Zelda 32 or is Smash. All right. 33 is Wave Race. Shout out. 14 through 16 is Mario Party. Nice. Hell yeah. Et cetera. That's good. And then the article goes on. The other pockets are more nebulous. There are two slots between Mario 64 and Winback, Covert Operations. Super Smash Brothers 64 and Wave Race 64 are the most obvious choices. Mm. Uh, Wipeout 64, meanwhile, seems like a strong possibility for the gap between Winback and Yoshi's Story. So it's just a lot of, you know. Puzzle solving, yeah, basically. That's fine. Which fun. is very cool. Yeah. All this to be said. And clearly, with there's 38 games to come, they're going to hit, you know, the all-star games of this lineup. Sure, that they can get the licenses to. So, feel free to go check out that article if That's you want to cool. get more into the weeds. Yeah. Uh, but be excited about the possibilities of games to come on New Switch Online. Have, you, have you done any of it? No. However, I did see that people are complaining because apparently I the did. games run awfully. Yes. I saw that Ocarina of Time is like, some textures are missing and like, it's it's pretty bad. So, yeah. Maybe wait a month. <laughs> let, let them iron out the uh, iron out the kinks and then get back to it. And the last story that just broke today. Yes. Amy Hennig set to pin a AAA Marvel game for Skydance Media. So Skydance, are they the people who did like The Walking Dead? Uh, let me pull. I pulled this up earlier and I'll do it again. Okay. Just to give people a background on Amy Hennig because we're both Amy Hennig nerds. Uh in a way. In a way. She, she was the, I don't know exactly her role, head writer? I think she was the head writer on one through three. Yes, yeah, so she was, the, she was the head writer on one charted, one, one charted? Uncharted one through three. Like, basically came up with a concept for the game. Uncharted and, Drake's Forch one. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, that's what they should have called it. It's like the uh, Pokemon legendaries. They yeah. just have to fit the number in somewhere. Uh, but no, she wrote the Uncharted games and then kind of notoriously left the studio and in pursuit of other endeavors, then went to EA and supposedly wrote a Star Wars game that got scrapped at some point because it yeah. didn't have enough... According to rumor at the time, it didn't have enough avenues for microtransactions. That was the story, mm. that they didn't want to focus on solely single-player stuff, so they scrapped her idea. So now she has moved on again and is working with Marvel, apparently. So Skydance, mm-hmm. at this moment, just a movie production company. Okay. They have not gotten into games. I'm thinking of Skybound, I just realized. Okay. Sorry. Skydance New Media is their new venture that's going to get into games. Okay. Some of the movies, they're an action movie group. Juggernaut. True Grit, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, Jack Reacher, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Star Trek Into Darkness, World War Z, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Terminator Genesis, Star Trek Beyond, Jack Reacher Never Go Back, Life, what is that? Baywatch, Geostorm, Annihilation. Geo, they did Geostorm. Mission Impossible Fallout, <laughs> Gemini Man, Terminator Dark Fate, Six Underground, Without Remorse, The Tomorrow War, and Snake Eyes. Wow. A lot of action movies. So they do basically solely action of big franchises. Also, shout out, somehow, in 24 episodes, the movie Geostorm has been mentioned on two different episodes of this podcast. Now, I did want to note... <laughs> Even so though, bizarre. even though Sky uh, Skydance New Media has not yet published a game, sure they will publish a game before Amy Hennig's game. You know what the game is? No, I do not. Forspoken. 
Oh, is shout one out to of Gary their games, Which I did not realize. Or at least hmm. I had probably seen Skydance and be like, oh, this is a new dev or whatever. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, so I was like, oh, that's cool. All right. So at least some sort of pedigree will go into it before they drop an Amy Hennig, Amy Hennig Marvel joint on yeah, us. Yeah, I wonder, so are they the publisher or the dev? Do we know? Well, they were. It says a production company for the movies. Okay, so they must be the dev. Then yeah, I'm so I'm assuming they're the dev because Square Enix is publishing. Right, it. that's okay. what it is. Gotcha. Uh, or at least publishing Forspoken. I don't know who's publishing the Marvel game. Sure, it might just be Disney. Yeah. Uh, good. I mean, listen, I'm happy. Amy Hennig is finding work. I was. Oh yeah, like, you're getting. You, you give me these key words. Uh huh. Amy Hennig. Yeah. AAA. Yeah. Marvel. Yeah. I'm that's in. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I mean, you could probably just tell me AAA and I'd be in, but. I, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of her, and I'm glad that I was a little worried with the how, because I the the I think the rumor was that like she had sort of creative differences for Uncharted Four compared to the rest of Naughty sure. Dog, or you know there she was left, some she left not on the best of terms. Right. I don't think it was like necessarily completely negative, but you know people disagree in creative situations all the yeah. time, um, and you know for whatever reason they went the other way, but. I was a little worried about her with the EA thing because it felt like she got snubbed and it sure. almost had the feeling of like, well, fuck this. I'm going to leave games forever. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad that she didn't. I'm glad that she's still uh, going to kick ass and write a cool Marvel game. I'm very curious oh, what yeah. property they'll have her yeah, work on. Yeah, me too. There's really no telling. It would be... Hmm. I don't know what I want to work on. I, wanna, wanna, I can't yeah. talk. What I want her to work on. I feel like they'd have to go into sort of new territory. Yeah. Uh, the likes of which... I mean, okay. Amy Hennig, it makes me think of Naughty Dogs. That makes me think, like, third-person mm-hmm. action. Sure. I'm trying to think of, like, what... Fantastic Four? Oh, that's interesting. You know, I like that. You know, kind of like they've done Guardians and they've done Avengers, sure. where you can play as different characters that be right in the same vein. That's not a bad... And we know she knows how... See, I was trying to go, like, okay, her writing style... But that really just kind of fits comics in general. It sure. is kind of that lighthearted but heavy stakes kind of thing. And, I mean, X-Men would fulfill the same function. Sure. Um, yeah, Fantastic Four is a good shout. I like that. That's And I, maybe that's just me as a MCU fan who's sort of waiting for mm. those kind of properties to drop and those to get the yeah. you know quality treatment they deserve. Sure. But, well, that's it for the news. Can I have another beverage before, before we start? I'm not interrupting you. So to prep you on the big story, yeah. you out there not you i I was gonna say i I know what it is our big topic today change one thing about a game to make it a masterpiece and now i said a masterpiece and we've sort of loosened our definition yeah it's change one thing about a game to make it substantially better right if you just changed one thing right basically there is one glaring flaw with each of these games that we want to change, and we'll go into why. Definitely. So, uh, it, how many did you end up with? Uh, I might cut a couple, but I think I have like twelve or thirteen. Okay, because I have ten on the dots. All right, so we can do at least ten a piece, and then I can just share the other yeah. ones. And which that makes me say, you go first. All right, uh, this one might be a crossover. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and say it. Arkham Knight. It is a crossover. You're right. Uh, my one thing I would change, because there's almost two, I would say, uh, but my one big thing is the emphasis on Batmobile combat yeah. within the last third of the game specifically. Um, this is not too much of a spoiler, I don't think, because it's more of a mechanical thing than a oh, story-based absolutely. thing. Uh, this is something that I, I think if you were around games media during the time of this game's release, 2016, I think? Uh, 2015. Okay. Um, if you were around then... You probably heard this opinion being shared 
so basically, in Arkham Knight, they introduced the Batmobile. Uh, this is from the Rocksteady series of Arkham games, their trilogy, not counting Arkham Oregon Origins. Arkham Oregon would be pretty cool. Uh, not counting the whole Arkham. state of Oregon is an asylum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that's just a funny mental image. Just like a penguin coming out of Portland with like a record under his arm. And At first, like a- I thought you meant like the animal, not the villain. <laughs> and now we're completely off the rails. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Arkham Knight, the last of the Rocksteady Batman games. Um, in that they introduced the Batmobile about getting around the city they opened up the city a little bit more and that was really fun I don't think anyone was anti-Batmobile until uh, the last third of the game where I would say no joke 60% of the the missions at least are Batmobile based so there is a combat style that you do in the Batmobile where it's basically like you become a tank and you manage like you keep people away from a, a plant or something you know it's just yeah normal video game stuff in a car uh it feels completely unlike batman it feels so strange given what that trilogy had been up until that point about like being the detective and using your smarts and the stealth it feels so tonally different um i imagine this is something that rocksteady would probably go back and change given the amount of like unanimous feedback about it uh but it is it is one of the more frustrating things about that game because i think most people probably view that as the weakest of the three because of that um, if you view yeah. it, if you view it as it's the weakest tough. of the three, it's probably because of the Batmobile stuff and one specific story point. Uh, uh, and just as a little bit of a tease, now that I think about it, based on my top twenty-five games of all time list that will be featured on next week's next episode week. of Double Tapped, yeah, it is my least favorite of the three because in some form or fashion, the other two at least get a mention. Mm, okay, yeah, so it is probably mine as well. Uh, which sucks because I think it does some things better than any of the games do in that series. Yeah. Specifically, the side quests are amazing. Uh, the way it kind of really presents a lot of the rogues gallery of yeah. Batman. And just the world of Gotham in that yeah. game oh, it is looks, pretty incredible. It's so detailed. It if looks beautiful. that game beautiful. was bumped up to 60 frames per second, I would still go back and play it again. Because, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the art style and the visuals of like Gotham, it's rainy, it's The dreary. weather, yeah, I was thinking like, that It looks so cool. And yeah, my entry here i said replace two-thirds of the tank combat with stealth or hand-to-hand yeah. stuff just yeah same idea. i don't care that it's in there there's just way too much of it sure yeah but when again the first two-thirds of the game it's like okay they obviously had this new system that they want to use fine but legitimately i think there's like a two-hour stretch where yeah. every mission is a tank mission and you just keep going when are we gonna be batman again yeah you're going through like a a series of like sewage pipes. Yes. And a whole like long like mission that's just you're in the Batmobile the entire time. Pretty sure it's the longest mission in the game. So Probably. It's like 45 minutes. It's yeah, a long it's, mission. It really drags mm-hmm. and it's definitely the weakest part of the game. Now, this is one of those games where I'm like, if I could fix two things, yeah, I could make the game perfect. Right. That's what I'm saying, which is. But if I had to fix one thing, it would be this. Right. There's a story decision that is not super. It doesn't have a big payoff. Yeah. Um, it's a telegraphed yes. twist. And not in a red herring way. They literally just tell you what the twist is going to yeah. be before. And it happens. really pissed me off. Mm-hmm. That being said, there are a lot of other cool story beats that yeah. I'm like, I would change this before I would change that. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. So my first thing, which this might also be a crossover. Okay. The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. I almost put it on there and I okay. didn't because I thought I you would. I just said make the combat more engaging. Yeah, that would be my exact one. Now, that being said, I haven't touched this game in years. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to go back and remember how much I hated it. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, the fair. combat specifically. Yeah. Because I almost don't remember what the combat was even like at this point. Mm-hmm. Other than it was just sort of indiscriminate slashes and yet was overly tactical and like statistics based with like the damage output and that sort of thing. Sure. I don't know. We've talked sort of ad nauseum about how we're both turned off by the combat in that game and it just still sticks in my crawl. I think our our distaste for it comes from a few different things. All the things you mentioned already. Uh, both of our experiences with games like Skyrim where there is a lot more, I think, create uh, like creativity brought to the combat. Sure. Like you can approach things in so many different ways. I know it's a cliche video game thing to be like, you can approach the situation however you want. Maybe we like it, but it's fun. Yeah, like th- that promise is a good thing because it holds true that it is normally fun. Uh, in The Witcher, it's mainly just sword, sword, spell, sword, sword, spell, sword, sword, spell, sword, sword, and then it ends. It's like it it becomes so redundant. Um, I don't think there's a good enough variety of enemies in that game either. Yeah. Uh, to really like, or not even just variety of enemies, but variety of like ways to take them down. It's always just you just slash them until they're dead. Um, it's a very basic. I, I'm really surprised more people don't have this critique of this game. It feels very underbaked compared to a lot of the other parts of this game. I agree. That being said, I understand why people don't like the combat in Skyrim, mm. which is a game you know I love endlessly. Sure, um, and I like a lot. But it's just like, oh, you're just swiping back and forth with a sword. But I'm like, there's something about the freedom of movement in Skyrim mm-hmm. that I'm like, it really feels like you're LARPing, like, right? You know, yeah. Well, in like, a lot of ways, in Skyrim, you don't have to ever use a sword if you don't no. want to. In Witcher, you do. Like, it's just here's your sword. This is what you use to kill things most of the time. Here's a couple spells to help you tactically. Um, in Skyrim, you could shoot everything with a bow if you want. You or can, you could just spells. Yeah, like, exactly. All magic, There's like so whatever. much variety there, uh, and I think that's part of the reason that Witcher's combat doesn't hold as true. Yeah. Um, that's it for me. What's your next one? My next one is Face ID. Uh, this might be a surprising one because you might already think I think it's a masterpiece, but it's close, but it's not quite there. Cuphead. Okay. Uh, the run and gun levels. So. If you're not familiar with Cuphead, I think most people know... The, the thing most people know about Cuphead, A, is the art style. B, is the boss fights. Mm. It is like a... Not because this metaphor gets used a lot. It is like a side-scrolling Souls game where... I have like that old-fashioned music stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah, oh, the music's amazing. Uh, but, like, the big part of the game are these boss fights. And they're all designed very differently and play out very differently. And they're great. Um, adore those. Cuphead is an amazing game. And I'm not saying it's not amazing because of this. But... I think at some point along the development process of this game, if you were around when Cuphead was announced, it took forever to come out because it originally was one thing and then it grew in scope and then Microsoft bought the rights to it or bought the dev or something and then it grew in scope again. So the game just kept getting larger, which for the most part is good because the boss fights are amazing. But one part of growing the game was that they added these, I think what the game specifically calls run and gun levels, which are platforming levels where you're killing enemies, avoiding enemies, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that just doesn't fit the tone of the game as much yeah. to me. Uh, it's more like a Contra style, I think, is the comparison people make more, most. I'm not super familiar with, with that series, but um, it's they're too hard and not in a rewarding way like the boss fights are. They're just frustrating. Uh, they also, and I, I Platinum Cuphead, as someone who Platinum Cuphead, they are the worst part of the Platinum mm. because you have to do those without getting hit. Ew. And a lot of them are like... Not quite luck based, they are timing based, and obviously you've seen like speedrunners do them, but there's still some stuff where you're like, ah, fuck. Like it's just, you get a, a projectile comes across a screen that you're not expecting, and the platform is rising at the wrong time, and it like snags your heel or something. Yeah. Um, so 
I would just eliminate those, and Cuphead's like a perfect game if you mm-hmm. get rid of those. That's my only critique of that game. I considered including a similar critique in... When I say similar critique, I mean like padding a game unnecessarily. Mm. Like Dark Souls 2 would have been my like okay. one there. I'm like, this is would have been a good Dark Souls game if you hadn't have included so many like unnecessary bosses. Gotcha. Um, so that's a similar thing, I think, where it's just like... You know, stick with your bread and butter. There's yeah. no real need to deviate just to make the game bigger. Yeah, you already sold me on it. <laughs> like, you yeah. sold me and on the concept of boss fights. That's all I need. And we've talked about how we don't need games to be ginormous. Right. If they're good, you get in, get out. It's like, that's really... That's the perfect I hold experience. a game in high regard that, again, I'll talk about next week on episode 25 of Double Taps, where we reveal our top 25 games of all time. Yes. My next game, Watch Dogs mm. 1. Oh, the first one. Which you can probably guess... Make Aiden Pierce Just not give a brick Aiden wall. Pierce some level of good characterization. <laughs> yeah. Um, when it comes to bland, boring protagonists, yep. Aiden Pierce is like on the Mount Rushmore of bland, boring protagonists. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, also, probably on the Mount Rushmore of dumb video game names. It's, of cliche video game names. It's like Aiden Pierce, Deacon St. John. <laughs> that one's, nothing's ever beaten Deacon St. John for so what good. it's worth. Like, I had someone really heartily recommend Days Gone to me the other day. And I was just like, I appreciated it and it sounded fun. And I was just like, you do know the protagonist's name is Deacon St. John, right? Just to drive home how unnecessary it is to go so hard for these names. Joel Miller. <laughs> yeah, you made the same point on a podcast recently. Yeah. It, you don't have to go crazy with no. your names. So just to you know put it out there, if they had given Aiden some level of decent story and background, like anything, yeah. the buoy, the really interesting gameplay mechanics that Watch Dogs sort of brought to the table, and refined certainly in Watch Dogs 2. But like, Which is hacking, a much better game. The hacking was still a really cool concept oh, in the first sure. game. Yeah. Uh, and then you had, you know, it was basically GTA plus hacking. But this character was such a hollow shell yeah. that I couldn't even see myself in. Yeah. A fellow, you know, relatively generic white man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, the fact that two white guys were like, we can't relate to this who is at this all. Guy? When the default I'm glad your daughter's dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He was sort of a, a black hole of just nothingness when it came to characterization. One hundred percent. Um I will say another name that came in my head, Marcus Phoenix, which is from Gears of War. That's a, that's another good one. If what are your what are your what's your Mount Rushmore of bad video game names? Let us know because these always give me a good laugh. Uh, my next one, weirdly, kind of in alphabetical order, uh, Control. I probably should have put something from this game. This is a good one. Just Go ahead. better writing, I think, is my is my ultimate takeaway. Like the story is kind of whatever. The characters are so much potential. The character Jesse Falden, Faden, uh, Faden. Sorry, yeah. Uh, the characters are kind of whatever. Like I don't, I didn't really care about anyone. I, I liked Ati, the janitor. Yeah, I think that was his name. Um, he was cool. I like the director, but he's dead. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, this game had so much cool shit happening around it. But the only takeaway that I had from it was like, man, this environment's cool. Yeah. But that is the best character in the game is the oldest house. Um, which is what the building is called, but I wish I wish Jesse had more characterization. I wish the storyline with like I don't know how much of this is a spoiler, so I'm just gonna avoid it. But the storyline sort of it feels like it ends at like a halfway point to me. Like a the, little, the yeah. ending's not really no, satisfying. It's, it's anticlimactic for sure. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It felt like the ending was kind of rushed in a weird way, where it's like you just find out about this character. 
and then like this thing happens and then the game's over and it's like wait what i don't really know that character at all very much like i know anyway i don't want to spoil too much but it's i wish that story was better because i think that game had the potential mechanics wise and world building wise and environment wise to be like a nine or a ten but ultimately, the story wasn't there and the characters weren't there. So just better writing I agree. would be my biggest critique. Very good point. That is one of those games Thanks. that is about as on the threshold of being amazing mm-hmm. as it gets with just a few little things that <laughs> could be changed. It's the most eight of all time. Yep. My next one. Overwatch. Mm. Add a leveling system. Ooh, okay. So hmm. I had a good brief fling with Overwatch. Sure. Certainly shorter than you ever played it. Yeah, you but played I would, it a hell of a lot more than me. I did, but I have I have not gone back to that game yeah. in years. And I really enjoyed Overwatch mechanically sure. as a good team-based multiplayer shooter classes that yep. are very diverse, blah, blah, blah. I just wanted something driving me beyond a random occasional loot box. Couldn't agree more. You know? And yeah. it's really not much more complicated than that. Uh, I needed a number. I needed something, some sort of reward system. Could have been really anything. It didn't have to be a Call of Duty prestige style thing. It could have been. Sure. But, you know, just something, some sort of bar or meter to clime. Right. That incentivized me to play one more game that wasn't there. No, I totally agree. Like, this is, I think, ultimately my biggest critique of that game now, too, being out of it, was that I realized I was playing a lot of this game and I was like, for what? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I here? I don't give a shit about cosmetics. I have the three diva skins that I want. That's all I really... And my one Zenyatta skin. Yeah. Like, that's all I really care about. Why... I don't want to play this game. And it's something that I contrasted at the time with Apex, where Apex does give you a little bit more incentivization of, you know, oh, you're working toward the season pass, or you're, uh, you're, you're working to get, you know... I didn't really care about the story, but you're getting all these little comic pages, and, like, there's more stuff there than just your character skin. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, the, the incentive loop is the biggest thing in games and why games like that work. Obviously for some people collecting all the skins and collecting all the sprays and all that was more than enough. Totally get it. No worries. But those things are not mutually exclusive. Sure. Yeah. You can absolutely have cosmetics staggered as a reward for like climbing a level ladder or something. That's the thing. The thing that makes Overwatch different in a way that we both think is negative is that you're only playing for a roll of the dice. Yep. You're never... It's not like, oh, in two levels, I'm going to get the sick diva skin. It's like, no, in two levels, I might have a chance, a very small chance to get the sick diva skin. Um, which, obviously, you know, the whole loot box thing was a, a big oh, talking a point blue. for a couple of years there. But, uh, yeah, that is the worst system, I think. And, honestly, really surprises me still how little blame Blizzard gets for the loot box thing. Like, everybody blamed EA because of Battlefront 2. Sure. They were like, ah, oh, loot boxes suck. Fuck you, EA. It's like, uh, your beloved Blizzard actually started this. Let them take some of the blame, too. Yeah. That's uh, it for me. You're up next. My next game is a pretty easy one, I think. Fallout 4. Okay. Get rid of the base management stuff. I considered this because Fallout 4 was absolutely one of those games that was like, this game was also close to mm-hmm. being really, really great. Yep. That being said, and I'll let you speak on it in a second. Sure. I don't know that just eliminating this would have made the game that much better. Mm. It would have eliminated one sort of pesky, unnecessary mechanic, but I think there were other things in the game. That being said, that's valid. I don't disagree. No, no, no. That's, that's a valid thing. I think more than just the, I know there's that one trophy that everybody hates that you have to get like 99% happiness Community or whatever. manager or whatever. Yeah. There's that aspect of the game. I think I'm maybe speaking a little bit larger in general with like the... Uh, the Preston missions and 
all these like little coming back to this hub and you know having to talk to 15 people or whatever fallout is at its best to me like yeah you might have a central place you keep going back to like megaton and fallout 3 or uh whatever the place is called new vegas but like in in essence i like fallout most when you're just told to just go you're never just, in one place. Right. You're just you're exploring. You from town to town. Yeah. You have like a town you go as sell the, your wares as at. As the lyric in that song from the Fallout 4 trailer goes. <laughs> right. The Wanderer by Dion and the Belmonts. Hell Shout yeah. out. Wah, 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 wander. Um, anyway, so great song. But uh, <laughs> that's actually a different song than I was singing, I think. Oh. Uh, but no, The Wanderer is great. Totally lost my train of thought. So. Yeah, I like Fallout most when you're 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 in a moving situation, and the fact that you just kept fast traveling back to one base. Yeah. Um, I know that you could put it in a couple different places, but most people put it where the game initially starts, um, which is what that I did. Town. Yeah. Uh, and like I don't know, all the little side quests you could do the Preston side quests literally forever. They had no <laughs> point, um, other than to keep you busy. That's legitimately how they worked. So yeah, just get rid of all that. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just make Fallout. And I guess you're right because it's like. It's not like us individually could ever create something with as much character as like Megaton in Fallout Three. Oh sure, you know? yeah. yeah, yeah. With the limited right. creative suite that they gave us, right? Like I don't, I actually am pro the whole like if you're gonna have a home, let me decorate it yeah. type thing. That's okay. I mean, you can get a house in Skyrim, right? You can get multiple houses in yeah. Skyrim. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you can get a house in Fallout Three or not. Like there's. But- there's a difference between having a base somewhere yeah. and having, like, the only base. Because the bases that you ended up with, or at least me, I'm not as artistic when it comes to this sort of thing. Sure. If I had a base in Fallout, it'll look like I built something in Fortnite. It was just, like, <laughs> right. walls and polygonal yeah. metal sheets. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I understand why they did it, and especially playing Fallout 76, you see why they did it, because it it's a lot more core to that game. But in this game, it's just I know it's the easiest critiquing point, but... I thought the story was actually kind of cool, Fallout 4. Yeah. It had some missteps, of course, but it was interesting, at least. Uh, and I feel like if they just focused more on that and less on the base building, a lot of people would have been a lot happier. Fair enough. My next one. And this is a beloved game to me, and we're going to get into mild spoilers. Okay. Uncharted 3. All right. Make the Talbot fight not a glorified QTE. I was wondering, is like... Because my brain went to Bioshock, which I already think is a masterpiece. I was like, is there a game where there's like a boss fight that's glaring enough? And I actually did think of the Uncharted of Uncharted. See, 3. I considered putting Bioshock on here, but I'm like, I'm not going to let this one thing be the it's, reason that it's I... It's not that much of a deterrent. Yes. Whereas, and it's not even that much of a deterrent in Uncharted 3 either, especially because it's short. Yeah, it's not long. And it's QTE, so it's not hard. Mm-hmm. But based on prior entries in the series and follow-up entries in the series... You want there to be some sort of final conflict in Uncharted that feels satisfying. Sure. Whereas this, you know, fight with Talbot, who is at the end of the day a magician, <laughs> a magician, but also just a bodyguard. He's not the true, villain. True. He is sort of the. He's the underling. Exactly. And he's the one that's sort of the last big. You that's know, a good point. Climax is going to be against. Yeah. You have your emotional moment, and I guess I, I won't go too deep into spoilers with the other elements of Uncharted Three. Mm-hmm. But you have your moment with the other primary antagonist, right? With the main big bad, and then her underling. I'll say her, I guess, because it's not like her isn't revealed earlier in the game. Sure. Yeah, you know that going. It's just this glorified. Yeah, just like press square here, press triangle now. Right. Oh, you beat him. You're, yeah. You've escaped. Like, Lazarevich, that fight was hard. I love that fight. And it, and some people, people hate, hate that it. fight. I don't know I why. I don't hate it at all. Because 
even if it, the mechanics are a little wonky, at least it feels like a satisfying conclusion against a hard boss. Yeah, it's a, it is a boss fight. It is Absolutely. a glorified... This is like, not a boss fight. No, it is... Uncharted 1 has a boss fight. That kind of sucks. Uncharted 3 has a boss fight. Uncharted 4 has a boss fight. Or Uncharted 2 has... 1, 2, and 4 have boss fights. Uncharted 3, I would argue, does not. Yeah, it is more of a QTE. You're yep. right. I, I totally agree. It would be like at the end of a Bond film if if James Bond just fought Batista instead of whoever the big bad <laughs> is in that movie. It's like, wait, what? You're not... That's not who we want to see you fight. When Batista was the big bad at WrestleMania 23? <laughs> sure. I think. Sure. Uh, my next one. This one might surprise you, but it's close. Towerfall Ascension. Give me way more of a focus on multiplayer. When you say multiplayer, yes. Do you mean like online, or you mean no? Just like the local, okay. the way we play it. Sure. But so Towerfall Ascension this is a much smaller scale game than the games we've been talking about. It's awesome though. It's great. It's made by uh, the Celeste devs before they made Celeste, uh, which we all knew was going to be dope because we loved this game, but I don't know if a lot of people love Towerfall. Um, but it's kind of built as like an old school arcade, you know, local co-op type thing. But there's also a single player. And a single player, or you can play it with with friends, but it's just kind of like a boss rush, uh, just send waves of enemy at you and survive kind of thing. I, I wish there were more maps in the multiplayer because I think every time we play it, we play through all the maps and then we're like, yeah, what do we do now? <laughs> I wish there were more modes, uh, maybe like a team-based thing, 2v2, or maybe you could get six people in a game as opposed to four. Like, really just hammer home that this is a multiplayer game, and I think that game goes from something that's already great to something that we play even more than we already do. Because I think we bring it out probably once a year right now. The thing is, I associate Towerfall Ascension as a party game. Yes, 100%. Whereas it has the mechanical potential to just be a rock-solid game overall. True. Yeah, that's a good point. Just lean into it. You're going to agree with this one. Okay. Let me tell you. All right. Firewatch. This is one of mine. Completely ditch the conspiracy subplot. <laughs> I literally said Firewatch. Better third act. Yeah. <laughs> so like, same idea. You know, the emotional beats, at least to me, in Firewatch were super strong. Mm -hmm. And you get to where like, okay, you're starting to build this emotional connection across a forest through walkie-talkies. Yeah. Like, it's an incredible feat. And then all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, the fucking CIA is, like, invading this and, like, doing some sort yeah, of weird experiments and investigations. And then all of that ends up being for nothing. Right. It doesn't matter at all. And then we circle back to the relevant emotional plot. Yeah. It just cut that all out. Yeah, you don't need it. The So, I totally agree. If you've played Firewatch, I know some people are more into that than I think we are. But the whole point of Firewatch to me is this emotional connection you have with this other person. Uh, all the other happenings while you're watching from the Watchtower are just to further that story. Um, like, Firewatch is great when you're searching down the two, like, teens who lose their underwear at, like, the beach or whatever. And like, that's what I was going to say. Like, if it was just, like, sort of episodes of randomness yeah, like that you're observing yeah. with a little underpinnings of, like, Oh, build some sort of connection between you and this other fire watcher. Right. So that way it has that sort of emotional payoff at the end or lack thereof, which would yeah. be my other critique of the game. Mm. Um, See, I like that. I respect it, but I felt, uh, for lack of a better term, blue ball. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm fine with that. That, that is their decision on the story. That doesn't bother me at all. It's the, 
like you said, it's the complete diversion into a different game for like an hour and then you come back. Yeah. It's weird. It's like it's such a tonal shift. And I guess they're they wanted to pay off sort of the weird things happening on the island or wherever you were, the forest. But you didn't have to. It's yeah. like, all right, weird shit happens as a fire watcher, I'm sure. <laughs> like, oh, I got spooked one day. That's fine. <laughs> um, One of these is very small. I'm going to move on. Uh, Erica. Do you remember this game? Vaguely. This is the live action PlayStation game. Oh, that one. Okay. Uh, this is a small critique, but not Catherine. That's what I was confusing it with. In my oh, head. gotcha. No, that's the the anime like underwear game. Yeah. Uh, Erica, not knowing trophies until you complete a run of the game. Mm. That is one of the most frustrating things because I really like Erica. I like that game a lot. The story's cool. I like the idea that's like FMV live action video game. It's fun. Um, and I know it might be a little bit particular this critique but i think this game's trophy list is relatively easy and simple but i still haven't platinum the game and like i'm not in a phase where i care about trophies right now but you know when i was because you know it's like a telltale game it's like or you know any of those choose your own adventure games you pick two doors and then when you go down this door you have three other options and also obviously the trophies are basically to open every door if you want to explain it that way the the problem is you don't know if you open the correct door until you roll credits every time. One run of this game is like two and a half hours, maybe a little shorter, but like sure. two hours. So you're just sitting there and like, did I did <laughs> I do it? And some of this shit is small. It's like, you know, collect all the notes or look at all of the foxes, I think is one of them. There's like some little like, there are a couple of occasions where you can look over and see a fox or I forget yeah. what it is, but um, they're like little moments and the trophy doesn't pop until the credits roll. And multiple times I've been like, all right, I did it. Credits roll, no trophy pops. And you're like, Fuck! That was the only thing I was trying to do this week, or the, you know, this run. Yeah. So that is really frustrating, and I would have loved platinuming in that game if it wasn't for that. I think this next entry is my most random, mm-hmm. but I sort of have a good reasoning behind it. Okay, Assassin's Creed Unity. Oh, all right. And all I said was make it run smoothly. Mm. This was <laughs> the first real or one of my first real like so at the beginning of the ps4 generation yeah we got black flag black flag was great mm-hmm. i love black flag unity was the next up right i did not play it unity takes place in paris you know it's we're back to your french revolution remember? yeah you're back to your real like historical roots of assassin's creed yeah uh we're getting away from the swashbuckling sure I thought the trailers looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. The climbing mechanics had been like upgraded, so you're not just randomly like jumping off of buildings. Like it's you would just be sitting there like, oh, I'm hanging on this ledge. Let me accidentally just like jump backwards <laughs> into oblivion. They fixed some of that. Yeah. All that being said, though, the game ran about as poorly as any AAA game I have ever played. Wow. It was awful, and. I never got deep enough into the game to truly appreciate it. So this mm. is not one of those situations where, like, this game would be immaculate if they just fixed this. Sure. I never got a chance to find out because it was borderline unplayable. Right. And for a game of the pedigree of Assassin's Creed, that's mm-hmm. pretty unforgivable, I yeah. think. Yeah, no, uh, no, I agree. And, gosh, it was so pretty, and there was such potential. Like, these beautiful cathedrals in Paris, these, you know, the interesting historical lore of the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. And it was just totally broken. Like, mm. it really sucked. That does suck. And honestly, that was the game that is probably the reason why I have not been all in on Assassin's Creed as a franchise ever since. Fair enough. I played Syndicate after that briefly, mm. fell out of it, and that was, I was like, okay, I'm kind of done now. Yeah. 
My next one, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> the face you made was very funny. This is, I'm, this is a good game to bring up. I'm just curious what your critique is. Focus more on boss fights. Okay. I think they did this weird thing with this game where they're like, we want to do Star Wars Dark Souls, except for the fact that we don't want to make that many boss fights. <laughs> so we'll do like four, but it'll still be Dark Soulsy, right? And it's like, eh, not really. True. Uh, like okay. I, I, I enjoyed this game. I thought it was yeah, fun. It's great. The story was fun. Uh, it's really good. The actors were really good. Yeah. I really like the performances in this Cameron game. Cameron Moynihan. Yeah, and the chick who plays Sarah, who is in some other game that we flagged mm-hmm. the other day. I forget what it was. Um. Anyway, uh. Very like talented studio, very you know, very talent driven game. Uh, I just wish there was less of the sort of backtrackiness of it, and just give me like three or four really cool boss fights. Because when they did do boss fights, they were awesome. That's the thing; they, they were have, super fun. In the game are three or four really cool boss fights. Yeah, I but just, a game like that should have like nine or ten. Yes, and focus less on the we're gonna send a wave of enemies at you, and we'll do that three times, and that'll be the combat. Like, just give me one boss to fight. Because uh, I, I really liked when the game did that, and I just wish it did it more. That's a that's another one of those games. I wish I thought of it, because it's another one that's knocking on the door of being amazing. Yeah, it's right but there. But it's still really good. Yeah. Another And this is a game that I would maybe say is amazing. Okay. And the critique of it might not be the one that you expect. All right. Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. And I'm not going to bring up the god-awful facial animations. <laughs> I thought about it. I thought about it, too. Yeah. What I'm going to say is, and I'm not going to spoil this one, Okay. but I'll allude to spoilers mm-hmm. for those who understand. Make the ending the actual focal point of mm. the story. It's a great point. I'll talk about some of the rest of the story beats. There seems to be this sort of machine virus mm-hmm. that is sort of infecting the different types of animal, machines, whatever. There's sort of a power struggle of who's controlling this virus is there's this other tribe blah 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 yeah i don't find that story very satisfying nah it's the actual reveals that come literally at the end of the game yeah that are truly the moments in that game where i'm like this is where gorilla is really flexing and telling a really cool story right. with a really cool lore there's, all that sorts of there's stuff. that one section where you're just walking through a yep. place that's yep. amazing it's so cool. And that's the thing. I'm like, I don't, there has, it's a open world action RPG. There is going to be other side stories. Mm-hmm. Just this needed to be the thing that we were building towards all along. Yeah. And even though that's where it ends, it really is not the focus of the game, or at least that's not how it feels to me. Right. And it's also like it ends, but then there's also like a weird, like 20 minutes of trail on after that that feel weird because they feel like they had to have like a final boss fight or whatever. So yeah, it's a, it's a bizarre the further we get away from Horizon, I think the less I like it. And the fact that the Horizon Forbidden West seems to be picking up on the story that I cared less about. Sure. Yeah. I think that we've talked a lot about Horizon Forbidden West and yeah. our anticipation for it. Yeah, we have. I think if I had to crystallize my trepidation towards it, Good word. it's that they're picking up on the parts of the story that I cared less that about. That were less interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess the idea is like you can't really do that reveal again, but. True. Like, just tell us a completely different story, then. Yeah. Give us a more personal story. I think a lot of the connection of that game is lost in sort of the them trying to do a bigger scope than is necessary. Yep. Because um, another a critique of that game is, like, I didn't really connect with Aloy all that much. Um, or any of the other characters. Or, or anyone. Uh, similar critique, weirdly. Uh, Emily is Away 3. 
which is one of the games I was looking forward most to, maybe ever, uh, at least especially this year, does a really weird thing. Um, so shout out to Kyle Seeley. He follows me on Twitter. We've talked on Twitter oh. before. Uh, very nice guy. This is not a critique of him. But I will say, uh, Emily's Way 2, you're going to hear next week on our top 25 games of all time list. I adore that game. Um, so Emily's Away 3, if you don't know, these are the games that are set up in like a fake AOL Instant Messenger. The first one is just Instant Messenger. The second one is like that and like a fake YouTube and a fake MySpace. The third one is that and like fake Facebook, basically. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool to see how, how the game expands and how you're able to learn about all these characters through their social media pages, all that. Three, and I forgive me because I don't remember the exact specifics and it spoil anyway, but basically there is like a false ending of three that I was very happy with. And then the game just goes on for 30 minutes mm. and it just completely undoes that false ending. And I was so frustrated by it that it made me like actively not like the game. <laughs> like I just felt like they had done such a good job of telling the story only to try to, I guess, make it like a more peaceable ending and it just didn't work. And I feel like they undid the, you know, three or four hours I had spent playing it in those last 30 minutes. And it was super frustrating. It's a small, it's a small thing. Just like stop the game there. Yeah. Just stop it. See, I've got two more. My next one. Infamous 2. Ooh. Don't change his voice. Well, well, fair <laughs> enough. Honestly, I might care as much or more about that. But make the good ending canon. Mm. Infamous 2 is great. The It's arguably better mechanically than Infamous 1. Sure. But the story is muddled. The Beast as an antagonist is weird, like, generic, apocalyptic Bland. person. Yeah. That just sort of shows up. And the evil ending, because I don't think it's a spoiler to say, the Infamous series is entirely based on, like, your karmic meter running from mm-hmm. good to bad. Yeah. The evil ending, if you've gone pursued the whole game that way, is... Honestly, I barely remember it, but I remember it being yeah, unsatisfying and, like, you team up with the Beast and, like... You're like, oh, we're going to free all the superpowered people, like, take over the world. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah. Not only does that sort of throw off the entire rest of your series after that, which is only one game plus one DLC pack of Second Sun plus First Light. Yeah. Because so you could argue argue already that the good ending is canon, but at that point, why include the bad ending at all? Right. Because the first game only had one ending, and you're just. Filling in the gaps to right. get there. It's the coloring book where you color the pages however you want. But exactly. At the end, it's the same. And same I think page. that's the better route to go in a game like this. I agree because I find the good ending much more satisfying. It's not even complex. Mm. You basically beat the bad guy. Yeah. You know, lose in the process, and then there's a, you know, right. Spoilers abound. Sure. That if they ever do a trailer and they don't reference the ending of Infamous 2, oh, I'll be pissed. As much as I love Infamous 1 more than Infamous 2, they better reference the end of Infamous 2 if they ever make an Infamous 3. Sure. The good ending. You think they will? I don't know, man. Five years from now, maybe? Like, I feel like... I don't think Sucker Punch does it. It's weird because it's one of those games that I'm not sure has the wide-reaching... Like, cachet. Cachet to, like, necessitate a sequel. But there are so I many people that would be, and the, oh, yeah, I think they will. Like fucking Patapon. They'll come back to it. They've come exactly. They've come back to much more obtuse franchises. Yeah, Parasite Eve is getting a fucking sequel. They'll come back to this one one of these days, <laughs> or a reboot, or whatever. Uh, so Firewatch is the next one, so I'm gonna skip that one. Uh, 
what remains of Edith Finch? Uh, so this is another one of those walking simulator games that people love to hate on, but I like this genre a lot. Uh, my critique of this is just cut the fat. There is... So Gone Home is basically just one story. What Remains of Edith Finch is about like seven or eight stories. And uh, so basically you go into this... You go into this house. You are basically finding out about each person who lived in this house. As opposed to Gone Home, which is like the story of this family. What Remains of Edith Finch is a story of all these people um, in this house and like just what happened yeah. to them. Cool setup. Some of the stories are incredible. There are a couple of them that are bizarre and don't fit the tone of the game at all. Yeah. Uh, and those are the ones that I say just cut them completely. Mm. Like, I think at the end of the day, that's probably going to resonate differently with some people. I know some people say, like, Edith Finch is the best walking simulator. Some people say that. Um, I disagree. I, I prefer to call them just narrative games. But uh, for the sake of conversation, most people know them as walking simulators. There are a couple of them that feel just too, like, almost, like, acid trippy, I guess, mm. in their concept and in their execution. Uh, one of the stories from this, again, I don't want to spoil, but I kind of want to talk about it. There's a story of, very light spoiler, there's a story of a guy who works at, like, a, I think it's, like, a, a cannery, like, someone who cans something, like, fish or something, um, and so his work is on a conveyor belt all day, and his story is told through projections on the conveyor conveyor belt and it's amazing it's awesome i love moments like that there's another one who's like one of the family members obsessed with comic books so the entire thing feels like a comic book it's cool like all that shit's awesome there's one where like a a toddler becomes animals and it's bizarre and weird and it doesn't work at all for me it makes me think a lot less of that game so just cut the fat make it like three or four really interesting stories uh that are all stylistically very different and that game gets a lot better for me my last one is big in the okay. sense that it's, an, again, I've already referenced this franchise. Mm-hmm. It's a franchise that I love dearly. It's one of my favorites. But I don't know how much to actually dig into the change because it's kind of hard to even articulate. But it's simply Uncharted 4 mm. introduce, and I don't know if I want to say the character, but I feel like we've talked about it. We talked about it last we week. We talked about it last the, week, With yeah. the trailer. Sam, yeah. Introduce Sam sooner. Yep. I almost put this as one of um, mine. And, you know, this isn't a critique of Uncharted 4 necessarily. Sure. You could argue that this is a critique of the whole series and that they just kind of shoehorn this character in. Right. A character that's not bad. No, character's fine. A character that's in one game is well-developed and is well-acted and yeah. you know, portrayed about as well as it could have been. But... You go a whole series. Yeah. One of the most revered third-person action adventure pulpy series of all time. Mm-hmm. And you get to this game that's sort of supposed to be the swan song at least of Nathan Drake's story. Yeah. And you introduce a character that's arguably more important to him <laughs> than every other character in the <laughs> games we've ever met except maybe Elena and Sully. Right. Like Yeah. You he, throw but in, he comes out of nowhere. You throw in one of the most important characters ever right there. And you just and there's exposition that you're like, oh, I have to fill you in on all this crazy shit that I've done in these last three games. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, let's do one more thing, brother. Let's go do this. And right. like, we're like, okay. Like, <laughs> God. Yeah, it's a very, it's such an after the fact decision. Like, obviously, this is a critique of Uncharted 4 because the plan in Uncharted 1 through 3 was not for Drake to have a brother. Yeah. But the fact that they felt this story better works if there is sort of a, you know, there's someone pulling Drake in that direction because he maybe doesn't have that now. 
that's I think that you know the story necessitated the brother's existence as part as as opposed to the other way around um which is not the greatest way to tell a story when you're and just like w- by the way yeah. he has a brother it's and like, it wouldn't what? have taken much no it would have taken some passing references by sully be like have you heard from sam you, yeah you know, exactly whatever like he's like no blah 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 how's sam doing by the way then at that point i would have been excited for the introduction of sam as opposed to confused which sure. is what i was more than anything it's yeah. like who is this like, yeah yeah, and again, kudos to Naughty Dog for incorporating him about as well as they possibly could in the context of one game. Sure, it's still jarring though. But you had four games to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could have sprinkled it in. Did you say that was your last one? Yep, that was my last one. All right, I'll, I'll go quickly here then. Uh, Super Hot, a game I really like. More levels, less modes. This game has like, I think like 15, 16 levels uh, and about... 10 modes to go through them in uh, if you want to like complete the game 100%. With that being the case, it gets so repetitive and so boring that you just don't end up wanting to do it. Uh, Hotline Miami 2. I love Hotline Miami. We might hear from it in our next episode of Top 25 Games. Uh, Hotline Miami 2, pretty... I've had a negative reaction to that game every time I've tried to play it, mainly because I think it loses what makes Hotline Miami 1 great, which is the short levels. Uh, Hotline Miami 2 tries to make, they're like, oh, it's a sequel, we gotta go bigger. And it's like, no, that actually is harder and it's less fun and less satisfying and you don't get a feel for like how quickly you can do through one of these, I don't know, you just don't get that that same reset, start, reset, start thing. Yeah. Uh, last one, Crash 4, uh, which is the newest Crash Bandicoot game that came out last year, I think, two years ago maybe. Uh, I think it was last year. Don't make it as hard. <laughs> it's such a like I beat it, but it's yeah. such a hard game. There is there is a section in which I kind of like in a way. There's a section in one of the last levels that took me like three hours to beat, like a literal checkpoint to checkpoint section, not mm-hmm. just the level. Uh, that being said, it's not even really that that I have a problem with. It's that if you want to go any further in the game to get all the gems or something, which I've done in other crash games, it is like. They put too much content in that game. Like, you have to beat all the levels again in, like, inverse mode. Yeah. And you have to get all the boxes and get all the gems. You have to get through every level without dying. And, like, it's just... There's too much there. I get that it's for the diehards, and they basically just wrote a love letter to the diehards of the franchise, but it kind of alienates everyone else in the process. Um, so that is that is that is it. That's what I've got. Well, to loosely quote one of our favorite shows, The Newsroom, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just one thing. Yeah. Tanner, what's your recommendation <laughs> for this week? Uh, my recommendation, and it's a very tangential tangential thing. N- not as big as mine, but okay. go ahead. Uh, it is the Shovel Knight soundtrack. Mm. Uh, I saw that, and it's something I'm going to pre-order, the vinyl pressing of the Shovel Knight soundtrack is up for pre-order now. Nice. Uh, and it is one of my favorite video game soundtracks of all time. I've been listening to a lot more like original soundtrack scores things like that while i'm working it's a nice just obviously because it's meant to undertone a scene it's not distracting um so i've been listening to a lot more stuff like that and it is one of my favorite video game soundtracks ever it's done by i forget his name some legendary composer that did like uh metroid stuff castlevania stuff like the real dope uh snes soundtracks this guy was involved in and it's an amazing soundtrack one of the songs uh which oh it's the clock tower is the level I'm trying to remember what the song is called um, is one of my favorite just video game songs ever and one of my favorite instrumental songs ever it's amazing uh, I'll, I'll find the name of it but a great soundtrack to listen to even if you haven't played the game 
Tony, you want to know what my recommendation is? What's that? Cheese nips. <laughs> All right. Let me explain. <laughs> no, I know the explanation, but well, there's a there's a good you know there's a yeah. Let me just go on. Uh, the song, by the way, is called "Of Devious Machinations." Machinations. Wow, that's right. awesome. Yeah. So amazing song. I love cheese nips. <laughs> Late at night time. Now cheese nips, I believe, are discontinued. Yeah. <laughs> there are some places you can still find the remnants. Yeah. But at this point, we're left with cheese its I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> People love cheese its I'm one of the cheese its But ones. I'm a cheese nip man. Yeah. You as lo- is my family. You love the nip. How does this relate to video games? <laughs> <laughs> very, very briefly. Might be my favorite thing to snack on, specifically while playing video games. <laughs> right. And here's why. I'm a savory food guy. Yeah. So I like sweet stuff, but when I'm playing games and I'm sort of snacking, yeah, I want something snack savory. On I love chips, mm-hmm. but chips always give me the greasy fingers. Yep. Or if they're Doritos, they, you get the seasoning. If they're Cheetos, you yeah. get the seasoning, whatever. It's a bad like, idea. You got your controller. You don't want to gum up the works with right. all this, you know, flavor <laughs> dust. That's what they call me. Cheese it's slash nips. Yep. No remnants on your fingers. Right. You know. You can go all. You can dip your finger, your hand in that whole box. You can. Pull it out and come out clean. Someone's gonna get too much satisfaction out of you saying you can dip your hand in that whole box. That's up to them. <laughs> Don't want to yuck any yums here on the Double Tap Podcast. But all I'm saying is, <laughs> if you're a savory person like me, yeah, the format of snack <laughs> that is best for snacking on whilst playing games uh-huh. is the cheese nip slash it. <laughs> The nip is superior, but they're gone. So you might just. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of. I've reserved myself. Yeah. To having to acclimate to cheese it. Right. Yeah. And it's sad. It really is. But and you can't even do the white cheddar because the white cheddar you get some remnants. I'm telling you, folks. It's just the original. It doesn't have the excess dust. The, am- <laughs> the amount of qualifications you gave for why you like cheese nips was so funny. Cheese nips, interestingly. Cheese nips had MSG. Cheese its oh, do not. There you There's go. a savoriness yeah. that they have. <laughs> but cheese its do not. Cheez-Its are good, but the texture is weird and sort of a little, like, I don't know. I guess what, I don't, it's, when I say rubbery, I'm not meaning that literally, but there's sort of a plasticky veneer to Cheez-Its that cheese nips did not have. They were nice and flaky and crackery, and I love them. That's it. My stomach hurts from laughing at your cheese nip rant. And oh. I can go on that rant. Every day. So our video Bring them back, Nabisco. <laughs> so our video game recommendations for this week are a soundtrack and cheese snacks. <laughs> That's what you get. You get what you pay for. That's true. What else do you come here for? Oh, God. I can't think of a better note to end it on than that. Other than <laughs> next week, top 25 video games of all time for episode 25 of Double Tap. Get hype. But until then, we're tapping out. <laughs>